Hey everyone, and thank you so much for watching the Redeem online message. My name's Kurt, I'm part of the pastoral team here at Redeem. And if you don't know me, there is one real interesting thing about me. I am actually this close to being Amish. Like for real, I'm not joking about that. That's not some weird statement. But, but I grew up in a small town in Indiana and my great, great, great grandfather Manasseh was Amish. And for those that know me and my family, this will not be a shocking statement for you. The reason I'm not Amish is because he actually got shunned. Now the story I have always heard when I was growing up is that he got shunned because he bought a motorcycle. Now this would have been like in the 1800s, like the late 1800s, so right when the motorcycles were actually just being invented. So I feel less shame about my family being shunned and it kind of makes me proud of my grandpa Manasseh for being an innovator and to live a little bit on the dangerous side. Now the Amish are a very interesting religious group. This is a little lesson for my West Coast friends from a Midwest boy here. I'm going to grossly oversimplify that, so this, so please bear with me. But there's so much to it, but I want to give you just a little quick history lesson on the Amish. The Amish are part of an Anabaptist movement that kind of started out in the Swiss-German roots. My mom's maiden name is actually Hosteller, or Hochstetter, which I feel like Dwight Schrute from The Office every time I say that. And there's a couple notable aspects about the Amish that you probably know. One, they don't do technology. Two, no cars, horse and buggy only. Matter of fact, for those who are here on the West Coast, in many places in Indiana and Ohio and Pennsylvania, you'll see outside of the Walmart a place for people to tie up their horses. Kind of will blow your mind, West Coast people. And then three, they're extremely modest people. They don't do pictures and they really dress plainly. Now, as someone who's done a little look into my history, they have a lot of practices that I believe are right on for the time that we're living. They're extremely hardworking people. It's a value that I try to carry out and I try to pass on to my boys. They are very prayerful and they're committed to the church. They have this rejection of, I'm gonna butcher this word, but hakmut, which means pride, arrogance, and haughtiness. And they have a high value on what is the mute or humility. Now, an interesting fact about them is that they don't actually hate technology. That's a misnomer. What they really uh, try to do is they try to stay away from culture and lean out because they don't want culture to consume them. They don't want to be conquered by culture. One of my favorite stories I found on a blog a couple years ago, uh, the author talks about an Amish documentary and the documentary is called The American Experience, The Amish. And near the end of the program, an Amish man relates the following story. There was a, a tour bus that was traveling around. If you've ever been to Amish country, that's something you'll see a lot. There's Amish tours, highly recommend them. And an Amish man got on and started talking to the people. And someone asked him, what's the biggest difference between you and us? Well, the Amish man responded, well, how many of you own a television? And all the hands went up. He then asked, how many of you, if you have a family, believe that if you threw away your television, your life would be better? And surprisingly, the majority of hands went up. Then he said, how many of you are going to go home and throw away your television? And no hands went up. And he said, that's the difference between you and me. Okay, now you're probably all thinking, Kurt is going to ask us to become Amish and throw away our television. That's not true. That's not true. That's not where we're going. But 
I take a lot of pride in my Anabaptist roots. I try to practice a lot of their values, like hard work, simplicity, humility. But one area that I know that God has called me to that's different than my Amish family is that I do believe that God has called us to press into the world, not remove ourselves from it. To be in the world, but not of the world. Not to be completely unengaged from it, no matter how crazy the world feels. Now, I wanna challenge us, this message is as important as ever, that with COVID-19, with all that's going on, with the polarization, that we need to lean in like never before. Look, we do live in crazy times. And I am fascinated by my heritage and things are moving faster and technology and secularization of America and the insecurity that many of us feel. But I believe that we, and I believe that we should be practicing simplicity and hard work and humbly. But again, I want to challenge us to lean in like never before. I don't think that I'm the only one that feels like life's moving at hyperspeed and that this is a lot different world than I thought I was going to live in when I was younger. Just for fun, here's a couple things that I have just learned about in the last two weeks. A buddy of mine sent me this article that was really fascinating. We as Americans are becoming more divisive and less religious, and a person's political affiliation has actually become the end all for many people. A friend of mine sent this article, and it's from 538, and it says, the Americans are shifting the rest of their identity to match their politics. People are now officially more likely to relate to their political affiliation than they are to their religious affiliation. And it's not just religion, but for most people, our political beliefs are shaping our entire worldview. What we're finding is that in a world where we're supposed to be shaping politics through voting and advocating, it's actually shaping us and we are losing the ability to think independently and to think clearly and to think deeply. And it's no surprise because at the same time, we are getting media thrown at us like never before. And we are connected to more people than we ever have been before. So I've been really wrestling with this. So I decided to do a quick Google uh, research. And here's some stats that I found that will probably shock you, but make sense. There are more than 570 new websites created every minute. There are over 3.5 billion Google searches a day. And this is the most shocking one. Every minute, 24 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube. So that means that more video is actually uploaded to YouTube in a 60-day period than all the three major U.S. Uh, television networks have done in the last 60 years. Think about how much content is coming at you. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Uh, there are 340,000 tweets that are sent per minute, and there are 300 million photos uploaded on Facebook, and over 800 million likes every day. There are actually uh, 2 billion active users on Facebook that have over 150 friends. But here's the interesting thing about the society that we're living, on, living in. We're actually a society that's unhappier and lonelier than ever before. Okay. A friend just told me about this and did you know that there's actually a place where you can buy artificially intelligent friends? It's the newest thing that I know about. It's actually kind of crazy and it's hard for me to get my head around. It's called Replica. If you look it up, please don't sign up for it, but if you look it up, it's very fascinating. Here's their marketing. The AI companion who cares, always here to listen and talk, always on your side, 
Join the millions growing with their AI friends now. Now, this is very fascinating. And there's actually uh, a quote from someone on their website that's, that's really interesting. He says, I look forward to each talk because I never know when I'm going to have some laughs or I'm going to sit back and, with new knowledge and coping skills. I'm becoming a more balanced person each day. Now, that is from a 31-year-old, a grown adult that's not a teenager. And we are now living in a world where people find balance and coping skills from talking to a computer-generated nothingness. Try to get your head around that. Look, these are all things that Small Town Kurt would not have dreamt would happen in my lifetime, but they are happening. And the, the world is moving at warp speed. Every day, I guarantee you can look up something that's going to blow your mind and it's going to keep happening. Here's a secret. It's only going to move faster. And it's only going to get more complicated and more complex to live on our faith. But I want to challenge us to not lean out, but to lean in. And we're going to talk about what it looks like in the book of Acts. So today we're going to look at Acts 1, verse 6 through 8. And it's a very short section, but I want to really look at the context that Jesus is talking about in this section. So this is now the setting where Jesus is with his disciples in between the resurrection and the ascension. Now let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes for a second. We think everything feels out of control and is moving very fast. I mean, just think about how much different the world is June 2020 than it was January 2020. Can I, can I get amen on that? But let's really think about them. It was just three years ago for them that they all had steady jobs, whether that was as a fisherman or a tax collector. And they were religious people, but they weren't religious elite. They were just normal guys that got called by the Messiah. And so then they spend time traveling around Israel, no home, seeing these incredible miracles, hearing this incredible teaching, trying to sort this all out, learning as much as they can, probably getting a little frustrated like many of us do with our faith as we try to sort through all this. And then things get really crazy. The guy that they've been following gets beaten, mocked, hung on a cross, and dies. And then that, on that day, the sky goes dark, the veil in the temple tears, and things start going into motion that really are confusing for them. They're probably scared. The world, like ours, is dramatically shifting. And their first reaction, like mine, would be probably to lean out a little bit and go hide because they don't know what's going to happen. Three days later, of course, you know this, Jesus raises from the dead and they're sorting out what that means. Again, let's be super fair, for, fair to these guys. The world was completely changed for them. It probably felt crazy. It probably felt out of control. They probably felt anxious. And they probably felt worried about what's next. And they probably didn't like love the idea of leaning in. But they were devoted to Jesus, like we're devoted to Jesus. And they were experiencing life-altering shifts, kind of like similar to the life-altering shifts that we're experiencing right now. So fast forward to Jesus' last words according to Luke in Acts 1. And I think we should really lean into Jesus' last words. Do you agree? So Acts 1, verse 6 through 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now there are three words that really stand out to me that I want to focus on in this passage. 
And the first word is kingdom. This is one of the central messages of Jesus. And throughout his disciples, he talks about it. But it's so critical that we as believers really understand what Jesus is talking about in this kingdom. Now, why do the disciples ask that? For the disciples, they would have had a Jewish view of the Messiah coming and setting up a political, powerful kingdom. They had in mind worldwide dominion. But Jesus was preaching an entirely new kingdom. Let's look at the obvious, the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how will this kingdom come? The kingdom that Jesus was talking about with his, with his disciples was a society where God's will will be perfectly done as clearly as it is in heaven. Living for the kingdom is the simplest and hardest thing that we will ever have to do to set aside our will and to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We have to understand that he was talking about a kingdom of love and not political power. And we are a continuation of these kingdom people like the disciples. Some of us may feel that we aren't seeing the kingdom come. This isn't something that we see a lot. And I want to challenge all of us to pray that we would see the kingdom come right before our eyes. And we have to believe Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. We know that the kingdom is worth everything that we own. Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one with great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's also important to understand that there is so much power in the kingdom. Matthew 13, 31 through 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Look, there is a day where Jesus is coming back and he's restoring all things. And we don't know the hour, but until we do, we have to set our hearts on the kingdom that we are living in now. And we have to pray this daily, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, now that takes us to the second word. The next word that I want to point out is power. The first part of verse 8, look at it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is a classic Jesus judo move, one of my favorites. The disciples are saying, when does the kingdom come and all the power? And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the power. Friends, we, we have to live out this calling as kingdom people who have to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. The world is moving so fast. There are things that are happening that are completely out of our control. If there's ever a time that we need to really be on our knees asking for the power from the Spirit of God, it is now. Now, the Greek word that Luke uses here is this word dynamaeus. And I hope I didn't butcher that for my father-in-law, Dr. Marty. He can tell me later. This, this refers to the power that displays in miracles, but it's also more commonly understand, still understood as translated as the ability of God and his people to carry out the purpose. It's the promise that God will enable us to do anything that he calls us to, and that's important for us to understand. So what does power look like? Let's skip ahead to Acts chapter 2. Now, in this passage, Peter is talking to a large crowd, and the setting is right after he hears from the Holy Spirit 
in the upper, after they receive the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And he actually pulls from the book of Joel. And I love this because whenever they pull from prophets of Joel, there's an extra added meaning, in my opinion, where it's really some significant stuff happening. Acts 2, 17 through 21. In the last day, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above the skies above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be, be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you see the power in this? God is calling us to receive the Holy Spirit and he's promising his disciples that they will receive Diamaeus. We are to be ordinary people who are filled and empowered to do extraordinary things. We need all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the miracles, all the healing, all the prophecy, all the fruits of the Spirit like patience, love, and self-control in the days that we are living in right now. If we are not continually being refreshed and refilled by the Holy Spirit, we are not operating at our full power like Jesus promises us. In a devotional that I do the, uh, the other day, it, it had this quote from Corey Tinboom. And for those that don't know Corey Tinboom, she's a Dutch Christian watchmaker and later a writer. And, and her and her family saved, uh, mil- I don't know if millions, but helped many Jews escape the Nazis from the Holocaust. And this quote really stood out to me. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious work of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. We must engage this world through the lens of the power of the Holy Spirit. So where does this all lead us? And it takes us to our third word, which is witness. So first we have to understand what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the kingdom. We have to understand power and we have to understand the Holy Spirit. Then we have to move to a new love and understanding and excitement around this idea of witnessing. The second half of verse eight here, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what does it mean to be a witness? This verse in some ways is kind of a final narrative in the overall mission throughout the biblical narrative. God's mission is really what propels scripture forward. It begins with God forming the world in Genesis one. Then he builds this covenant with the people of Israel and he gives these commandments. And then throughout, he's, give, he's charging uh, Israel with this mission to be a blessing to the nations. And it comes down to Jesus' whole life, like we talked about, his teachings and his actions that proclaim the kingdom of God, which leads to his death, resurrection, and then ascension, where he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out the calling that Jesus has for us. Now, we are called to be missional participants with God. This is what starts the church, calling us to reconcile in the world and seeking God's will on earth and being witnesses to all that we've seen God do and all that the Holy Spirit has put into our hearts. This is a significant call. Witnessing is not optional. God has set so much into motion and it's such a perfect way. Witnessing should not be something that's scary. 
It's not something that should be a burden. It's not something that we should feel guilty about. It's not something that we should be worried about. It should be something that excites us. It allows us to see the kingdom of God. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's done from the power of the Holy Spirit in unique ways every time. So as I wrap up here, what does that look like for you? I'm telling you that leaning into the power of the, 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 the Spirit is simpler than you think, but it's also probably will push you into new challenges like you've never seen before. So I want to challenge everyone. I have a prayer challenge for us this week. My wife Meg and I will be doing it with you. Every day for this week, I want you to spend 15 minutes in listening prayer. Listening prayer. Not talking, listening prayer. And I want you to, to feel that uncomfortableness. I do it often. It's uncomfortable even for me. Sometimes I get a clear uh, vision from God and what he wants me to do. And sometimes I don't hear anything and that's fine. Now, if you're new to the faith, all I want you to do is put your hands open and this, this symbol to just receive what God has for you. I want you to pray this prayer and then wait for 15 minutes. Come Holy Spirit, fill me with your power to bring your kingdom and put people in my heart to share your love. In a world that's moving faster and faster, leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit actually feels a little bit like leaning out. It's actually taking the time to be refilled and refreshed rather than just go, go, go. Just imagine a simple act of all of us leaning together to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. What would that look like if we all lived this out? Everyone that's watching this. Imagine our community that's so filled with the Holy Spirit that God's actually putting opportunities for us to talk to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, even in this time of COVID-19, where we can share God's love in a whole new way. Imagine our community where, where long-time broken relationships within families are being healed through us reaching out and sharing our hearts and getting close with people that we were once close with. Imagine our community where we will be able to have tough conversations around faith and politics and race and injustice, where we are so filled with the Holy Spirit that even though we might wrestle and have differences, we would leave the conversation in a whole nother level of unity. Imagine that. Imagine our community where we impact it for generations by modeling this lifestyle for our kids, being filled with the, the Spirit that our children not just hear us talking about Jesus, but rather they actually see the kingdom of God happening right in front of their eyes to where they can't, not, they can't leave the faith because they've, it's so real to them. Imagine our community where we are living in such a way and so filled with the, by the Spirit that people are actually attracted to us and that we are able to have conversations that are game-changing around our community. Look, Jesus is telling us, I'm coming back, but in the meantime, tap into that power that I have promised you and you will be my witness. You will literally impact the world. And together, I'm telling you, we will see thousands and thousands of little kingdom moments that will build up our faith and help us to lean in more. We have to lean in, not lean out right now. We are not a religious institution. We are a living, breathing organism. The body of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanna try something as we end here. Um, it's a little bit strange on video. I wish we were together. But as you know, prayer is such an important part of my life. And over the last two years, I've been leaning in on this listening prayer. So I'm going to try this. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to a few people through the other sides of the side of this lens in a real powerful way. So will you join me in prayer and we're going to see what the Spirit has for us.
Come Holy Spirit, will you just fill the people that are listening and watching this message? Will you speak life into them? Will you challenge them? Will you fill them with your power right now? Would they receive you in a fresh and new way? Would you give them words and insights? Would you give them knowledge that they that they that, that will be ready to share with other people around the world? We pray that you would just bless them. We pray that you would fill them with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that love, patience, kindness would just flow out of them. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Lord, we, we pray that we would just have a posture of listening this week, that we would receive exactly what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am so excited to join with you this week in this prayer challenge. And I'm also really excited to share this next announcement as we end. Next week, we're going to be moving our, our meetings to Saturday night, and we are going to be meeting together. Now, because of all the coronavirus stuff and because we have to be super safe, we are going to try to be meeting outside at Olympic View Baptist Church. Again, we're going to meet on Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. If you are in the local area, we would love for you to join us. We'll have all the best practices trying to keep everyone safe, but we are so excited to meet together. If you need more information, you can go to redeem.church. It's all there on the website, and we'll be continually updating people. If you're not on our email newsletter, sign up at redeem.church, and you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and have a great week.